Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 21st. First and foremost, congratulations to the Open Derby champion at the 2020 Metallic Cat Summer Cutting Spectacular, Mr. Rodrigo Taboga, who rode Sanctus for owner Scott Durham for a massive 226. Pretty awesome to see Rodrigo climbing through the ranks. Has pretty much won every event that we have had this year with the abbreviated schedule due to COVID. So I wanted to take this time at the beginning of the show to shout Rodrigo out on winning the Open Derby. It's a hell of an accomplishment to start out first and foremost by winning limited and intermediate events and then for it all to culminate winning his first Triple Crown event in the Open Division. It's pretty special. So big congratulations to Rodrigo, Scott Durham, and everyone over at Bo Galleon Stallion Station. On today's episode, we're going to talk all about the Open Derby and Open Derby Intermediate Finals, Then we're going to lead into our conversation with the founders of Ghostwood Distilling Company. First and foremost, Mr. Lucas Perks of Bozeman, Montana, and his dad, Locke Perks. We went over to the Perks Ranch in Brock and had a good conversation, tasted some whiskey, and heard the awesome story. That is Ghostwood Whiskey, so sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode of the Section K Podcast. Fellas, we're back to wrap up the Open Division. It's come to a close at the 2020 Metallic Cat Summer Cutting Spectacular. At least we made it through the Open. We've made it through the first most important part of the show, if you ask me. Of course, we've already congratulated Mr. Rodrigo Taboga. Big shout out to Rodrigo over at Bogallion Stein Station, picking up the Open Derby title, riding Sanctus, um, continuing a dominating year, wouldn't you guys say? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yep. They can't be stopped. The yeah. guy's on fire. He rides unbelievable. He's with a great team. You give somebody with talent like that and put them in, in the hands of Bogallion and – let him orchestrate dominance. I mean, that's what they're doing. It's pretty neat to watch and could not happen to a better guy. Yeah, Rodrigo, he picked up that Open Derby championship, came back the next day, Monday morning, won the reserve championship in the intermediate division. Tag Rice picked up the intermediate division. I guess the two guys um, – Pretty much dominated the open division. Yeah, dominated the open division. That horse, Metallic Cat, out of Hooray for Dreams that Tag was riding. Uh, was it third in the open derby behind Adon? Yes. And uh, twice in Santiago. Cody's talked a lot about her. We talked a lot about her in Adon's interview and just how easy of a horse she is and just how nice of a horse she is. Um, I had texted you before, and I didn't – I didn't like that Sanctus was first horse in that second set. So um, that just kind of tells you any any draw, any set, that horse is going to be a threat. I mean, is that a Porterfield? You're a, you're a guy that's in there a lot during any show. Is that is that first whole draw in the second set, especially in an open finals? That's a pretty tough draw, isn't it? Well, I'll say this. it Yes, it's a very tough draw to win in, I feel like. But – in those finals against that horse, that horse has looked special now for quite some time. Um, we all knew this was going to, you know, there was a good shot of it. In fact, me and Bo talked 
before the finals and actually before the I think before the semis we talked and and he was like wow he's like we Rodrigo's doing awesome and the horse is being good and and we we both talked about how he had a really good shot at winning this show and his momentum behind him right now and the guy's great I mean he makes Absolutely. unbelievable showmanship decisions and makes it look smooth too and I mean when you got a team like Bo and Wesley and Jody and all them Lloyd and everybody that's behind Rodrigo there that helps him I mean yeah it, it's it's going to be hard and you put him on a good horse like Sanctus I mean it's going to be hard to beat that yeah well and to your point Red what you were kind of saying was about the draw and and I feel like if there's any like Will Rogers is in the place where a draw any draw is a bad draw I guess the cow situation is the best you know they have more cows than most cuttings do per cutter and your help the ground like the whole situation is always easy so the draw in my mind didn't really affect him like or I didn't think it was gonna affect him like you did yeah but at the same time when you think about it like First in the set is tricky because those cows are still a little fluffy and don't always want to hit back gate. And it, it's and, very tough yeah. because you don't them cattle don't know how to roll back. Yeah. And and two, very seldom do you see a guy. The only other time I can say I saw a horse, which I hadn't been doing this long, but Ronnie Rice was first at the Futurity Jewel Bars Cat, and and that was, I in my opinion thought I would never see another great run that good being first out but rodrigo pulled it through and what a tough finals the cattle yeah, were tough absolutely. there were so many great horses in there to win i mean tatum and spud i mean all of them Adon, yeah. spud um all, all them well and that's kind of something that we've talked about since the fraternity is like how tough tags these, horse yeah I mean, exactly and and that's what what we've talked about a lot is like it took a what was it a 218 to make the fraternity finals mm -hmm. like it's a tough group of four-year-olds and now we're actually getting to see it because this is our first major cutting you know this year back and and obviously a triple crown event so everybody's paying attention to it but it uh it was i mean the four-year-olds were good the five six-year-olds were good the cows were a little tricky but i felt like everybody got a got the hang of them by the time the four-year-old ro rolled around well and that's what made it so interesting to me is that was a tough finals to get through, you know, yeah. but you watch Rodrigo and Tag have pulled it off all week. Yeah. Every run has been great. Mm -hmm. Their horses look phenomenal. I mean, they were definitely two favorites going into the finals, I felt like. Yep, absolutely. And that was, to me, it was also they were, they were obviously favorites or, you know, you could see them. Nobody would have been surprised if later on Sunday afternoon they were talking about them winning. But there was also a lot of horses in there that I felt like that could, could win could have done oh, the same for thing. Sure. I mean, and that's I, th I think that's just the beauty of cutting. It's it, oh, that's what makes it a competition. Uh, yeah. It makes it awesome to you know exactly. Eat, even though I didn't make it, but it's fun to sit there and watch your friends in that tough of a competition. Yep, duke it out because any one of them, if they cut the right cows in the right situation, there's so many horses in there that can win absolutely what an awesome derby for tag and scotty and caitlin 
unbelievable awesome. for that family. Yeah. Yeah. Big family deal right there. That's good. And That's awesome. Tag Rice, I'm I'm just going to tell you, he's electric anyways. Like when he's having a run, I don't know what it is, but. You can tell. Man, everybody gets behind him. It, it's such a style that gets the people going, man. It. Mm-hmm. It is fun to watch when he's on a good horse. There's nothing like yeah. seeing Tag Rice go across the pin on a cutting horse and get it on. About had a wreck, too, with that last cut when them cows crossed right in front of each other. But $100,000. Come on. Yeah, Metallic Cat incentive winner mm-hmm. for the Open Derby division. Also, a big shout-out to Adon. We yep. talked about all the money that he won in the 5-6 year old and then Comes back and wins over forty thousand in the four-year-old, taking Had second place. Five, right? Yeah, second and and fourth, uh, twice in Santiago, owned by the Double Dove, and then Iridescent, owned by Brumball Ranches. So he had an unbelievable show, and I'm sure his non-pros will keep the momentum going. Oh, for sure. We, uh, you can't say enough about a Don and his program, and how solid he's been for years and years, and. I mean, it, it just goes to show the guy is a winner and it his whole program and crew, and it, it's just all a big, unbelievable deal, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and something else that I think is pretty neat, I think we're going to have a horse of the year race now. Um, yeah. Adon pulled away pretty early and is still looking unbelievable, but this Rodrigo and Sanctus have come out of nowhere. Yeah. And have won a lot of our last shows, and here they are sliding into the number two spot. And so that, that'll that be great to see an awesome stud coming up out of great genetics and then Same a great mare. mare. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, we hadn't got to see a good race like that in a few years. Long time. It's, it's always fun, you know, like watching all the previous – horse of the year owners to me that that's a fun race to keep track of all year yeah it doesn't get enough credit i agree totally Uh, because it's tough i mean i'm not saying that just because i've won non-pro horse of the year once but like like it's a really cool thing i mean you're the most basically what it comes down to is you're the most consistent for the whole year like you and that is so hard to do when you you look at how many great horses and great trainers and showmen there are Mm -hmm. that's unbelievable to me yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think it gets enough credit. Um, open, non-pro, amateur, whatever you want to – I mean, all the divisions. Like, it's – to me, it's – it's well, and it's also how a lot of cutting got started. I mean, hauling all year just to see who's going to be the champ, right? That's right. And so it kind of keeps us back to our roots of weekend hauling. But, but yeah, no, I, the horse of the year races are always fun. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but, like, I'll never forget being up in Idaho when Hottish and Kit Kat Sugar were going. Exactly. And there was not a single horse. The loping pen is right next to the cutting pen. And every there was not a single horse loping in the loping pen on the finals when those two horses were going because of that. And it's just like, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, because like, it came down to right yeah. there at the end. Yeah, yeah, no, it was like the last couple cuttings, I think. And, uh, I mean, it's just, yeah, I just don't think it gets enough credit. But that'll be awesome to see. Good race. Those are always fun. Yeah, I'd say it was a successful open open portion. Um, we'll just go ahead and reiterate, wear your mask, keep keep that rolling, keep that trend going, and let's keep cutting. So I will say, I feel like everybody's been doing a pretty good job. That's good. Of wearing their mask around there. Yeah. I mean, it does suck, but Yeah, and it happens. I mean, you get to talking to people and 
You oh yeah. Face down or you. Or you're me and yeah. Just you forget. Get hot quick and. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's no joke out in the stalls either. No. Get one of the ones that wraps around your ears. If y'all are listening to this and haven't been to the cutting yet and are planning on going, don't get one of those sock things. Those sock things are bad news. I promise. Too hot. You. Way too hot. When you breathe in, the sock goes where you're breathing in. Yeah. It's just not good. Fog up your sun, and sunny glasses. Too. I think that the the over the ears in front of the face is the way to go. The more the more yeah. medical looking. Yep. Mask. Doctor. Certainly. Certainly. Well, good luck to all the non-pros and the amateurs. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Maybe twice. And cut clean. Yeah, right in the (laughs) middle. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. We've got a little bit of a different episode today. We're live from the Perks Ranch here in Weatherford, Texas. We've got Mr. Lucas Perks, the... Uh, owner and founder of Ghostwood Distilling Company, and we have his dad, Lock Perks, here, longtime NCHA cutting horse rider and owner. Of course, we got Cody Headland here. We're here trying Ghostwood whiskey. Pretty good stuff here, Headland. What do you think? It's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Not bad for a little Sunday drink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cheers, guys. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, yeah, cheers. Absolutely. Cheers to everybody's success. Yeah. To nice. us. <laughs> to, to you and me, Katie. To us. <laughs> Yeah, I did some really good stuff, and I'm not typically a bourbon whiskey straight drinker, so I think it's really interesting that I've actually found something that I enjoy drinking by itself. It's taken me pretty much all 28 years of my young life to establish <laughs> a palate that I feel like is mature enough there to you go, finally enjoy a bourbon whiskey. My dad's obviously, just like any old man, loves his whiskey. Sure. And um, I've never been able to under, understand it. So the first time I finally tried this product, I was super impressed. So uh, first yeah. and foremost, Lucas, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Ghostwood, just kind of uh, bare bones, I guess. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Ghostwood is a, well, it's it's really a passion project for me, obviously. I think uh, I, I grew up a whiskey fan anyway. Uh, I, I, you know, you, I always like to think you, you go to college. And you, you never leave college uh, without losing some kind of alcohol or beer in your palate going that forward. That one night. Yeah, right? You're always like, oh, I can't do tequila ever again. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, for me, it was kind of beer. So I ended up coming out of, out of college doing whiskey for sure. And the fun thing is, is I started just exploring the world of whiskey, how it was made, how it was... How it was uh, uh, Put together and everything else um and what i love about whiskey in particular too is it is really there's a, there's a lot of art to it which is what i love about it because i mean obviously you've got a lot of standard stuff out there but exploring what this medium can do has been part of the fun for me at least and that's what led me to creating this obviously in the back of a barn up in illinois at my yeah, dad's it, ranch for me it's been fun to watch yeah. um because uh, luke as a kid he was our he always had a great palate i mean he was always ordering pate and stuff and you know, <laughs> eating weird things. I'm a snob. Um, but he's always really talented. Um, he's an artist. He's done sculptures with Jan Mapes. He's a uh, musician. And so to find something that kind of captures all of that for him was really fun to watch happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, when, he, when he went after the whiskey, he could kind of put it all together into one medium. 
you know, all of that energy. Absolutely. So you mentioned the process. You've really enjoyed that. Kind of give us some background on, one, how it got started and uh, just the steps you took to, to get to this point right now. Sure. No, I think um, I really didn't. Obviously, you start off liking a thing, and you really don't really put it together to start trying a thing at a certain point. But, uh, you know, it really kind of started, I, I mean, I started exploring whiskeys. Obviously, my dad and I went up, uh, went up to Scotland and did a really cool visit to, I think, the oldest distillery in Scotland, yeah. I think, legally. Yeah. Uh, it's called Glen Turret. So I'm glad you could remember that. I, I can't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I'm the only one that remembers uh, that trip. But no, I think uh, uh, it was just a fantastic little trip. And it's very old school kind of process, obviously, up there. The, a, lot of, a lot of classic stuff in terms of aging, in terms of um, malting and everything else. The, to me, the, we've been fortunate along the way. Um, and I've been fortunate to kind of be riding along next to them. But uh, when we were at that distillery, we got there late and we we're just kind of scrambled around it wasn't like we had a real big tour thing yeah well the owner ended up giving us a tour of the distillery and there's just us because mm-hmm. we're the last ones there and this guy was cool and he sells they don't really have their own brand per se but they sell to all the they sell their scotch to all of the really high-end blends that you know yeah, famous so grouse johnny walkers johnny and stuff. walkers um and so that's that's where their whiskey but he took us in this huge tasting room well it wasn't a tasting room he took us in the barrel room right and he taught us, he said, listen, you know how you've always heard that uh, aged longer is better? He said, don't believe that. He says, everybody has a different palate. And I never, even then, I didn't think of, you know, I, I thought you'd buy the most expensive shit you can and you go from there. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay. And he said, no. And he said, first, you're going to taste years. This is all the same scotch. And taste years. And find the year you like. Mm-hmm. And we were all different. Uh, Dev and our youngest son was with us too and then he took us in the tasting room where he had all a lot of the scotches of of scotland and he said now stay in your year and test different brands and find out what you like and then we zeroed in and and, and that's why i can't remember the name of the place every Went brand in scotland <laughs> yeah i have flashbacks every once in a while <laughs> i still don't know how we got back to the hotel that night. <laughs> it's because i drove are you old enough then yeah i think i was yeah yeah, yeah. Had a whiskey tasting. <laughs> yeah. So how how old were you, do you when you guys took oh, that Scotland trip? Oh gosh, yeah, I was probably twenty two ish. No, I, I think you're older because Devin Devin was over was legal too. Yeah. Well. So I I would guess twenty five, twenty six. Scotland rules apply. Because you were doing all the videos for the hundredth anniversary. Right. Thing, right. Yeah, that sort of thing. But anyway, so you know, you have that experience. You start you start going into the the love of it and 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 the tasting of it and finding a palate that that fits yourself really. Um, not too long after that, I was at another conference for another business trip, and they they said, you know, if you weren't doing what you're doing, you know, what would you like to be doing going forward? And I, I just happened to be scribbling on on this little notepad. Uh, I wanted I, I wanted to open my own distillery. I wanted to create my own whiskey. Um, and I was drawing out logos and all sorts of different things. Uh, it was a real stimulating seminar. Yeah, it was very stimulating. <laughs> Obviously, I was going to say, it's like I'm doodling while this guy's talking. Um, and then not too long after that, the opportunity did come up where, the, you know, essentially uh, my family's business uh, got sold right around there. And, and I was cut loose as a part of that. So going into... Fired. Yeah, I was fired. <laughs> I think I'm mincing the words. Um, That's why Locke's here. Right, exactly. He's my <laughs> Provide some clarity. Fired. <laughs> I was fired hard. Um, but no, I just, of course, 
uh, it was kind of um, serendipitous really at the end of the day. Just had that idea, great. Uh, then obviously the process starts with, well, how do you do this, mm -hmm. right? Um, what I loved about the whiskey process is actually just producing it. Uh, I got a five gallon copper still, I got a hot pad, I got a couple of uh, distilling um, wine buckets essentially and, and some uh, thermometers and gauges and all that, all the science stuff. Read a bunch of books uh, and just hung out in the back of my dad's barn, like I said, in Illinois and just started working. Um, it took me, I had a lot of help from the guys so, up at the ranch. So he's behind the tack room. Yeah, and it was <laughs> like a room dust and leather. Handy's about to be for a whiskey. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's going right back to the yeah. you know pre-prohibition, mm -hmm. you know yeah. Dale Hernhardt stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only thing I was worried about was you know fire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I kept a close eye on it. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of a lot of help with the guys up in up in Texas. Gary and Bruce up there have been great uh, to kind of help me, and they still have pictures of me doing this back in the day. Uh, but found my recipe after a good long while, uh, lots of notebooks. Um, and then from there on, it's just, well, how then do we get this into a bottle and into the market? And that was back in 2015 when I settled on the recipe. So it's been about a five year journey of visiting distilleries, going to the big ones, going to the new craft ones, going, talking to all the experts, talking to tasters, talking to judges, talking to everyone, and really getting a hone on, on what people tend to want to see at least on the shelf, obviously, there's, there's a lot of considerations with that. But what's been surprising to me most is like what Dad was saying. I'm a bit of a snob. I've got a great taste. Uh, the juice, I guess, the juice that I came up with. I don't like calling it juice. The whiskey I came up with um, has been really well received, just in terms of the mash bill that I created, the the flavor profiles I was really aiming at, um, and it's become a well. We, and we did nice poor thing. man's marketing all yeah. the way. So we've been blessed with friends around us um, that own a really fine restaurants up in, in Illinois, and we're real good friends mm -hmm. with people down here the same way. And <clears throat> others uh, from the Chicago area that are influencers. And so when he'd have a whiskey to taste, they'd taste it uh, on the front porch of the barn. Right. Um, and White dog yeah, style. Yeah, white whiskey. <laughs> Mason jars. Not, not <laughs> aged, you know. Yeah. And... Um, and we tasted against other whiskeys, so so we did market research. I call it practical market research, you know. Um, and we did the same thing with the bottle when mm. when the bottle design was created, and it was simple. I just started taking the bottle around, and we wanted something that'd stand out on the shelves. Mm. And so I'd go into a restaurant, and I'd go, "Hey, put this up on your shelf," and they would. I don't know why, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd take a picture and go, hey, thank you. And then and I went into retail stores and did the same thing. Mm -hmm. When I was doing it in retail stores, they're going, uh, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and that's how I met Dana at Shrick's here in Weatherford. You know, I go, well, I'm doing market research and I want to see how this bottle looks. And she goes, well, and she started giving me feedback. And to this day, Dana's a huge supporter of ours. Mm -hmm. And so all those connections have, I mean, all these people got excited about helping this whole brand develop. But it's right. really amazing. So it's created this kind of. Um, a tsunami of fans and advocates out there that are, have been part of the journey with us. Yeah, absolutely. It's really crazy. So obviously that's the first part of one of my questions, born in the back of a barn in Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, and then you say that it is raised in Montana. Um, as I assume yeah. part of your good taste is the fact that you <laughs> moved to, to Montana because I think that's one of the best places on planet Earth. So yeah. talk a little bit about how it's being raised in Montana. Yeah, so obviously... Uh, 
you know, when you're talking about bourbon, you're talking what you're talking about is corn, right? Uh, the best corn in the country is the Midwest, uh, and that's where I developed the basis for this recipe. But there is an there's an ingredient I wanted to add to it, in terms of the mash bill, and it's wheat. Adding a little bit of wheat to it. Now, there's a lot of whiskeys out there. The Canadian whiskey, in particular, is is mostly wheat whiskey, uh, which is why it's so sweet. The Crown Royals, uh, really good. That's your for that favorite, right, Cody? Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, what's been fun second about favorite? Second. Oh, second. <laughs> nice. Like pow, nice. Pow. I'll drink to that. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Um, <laughs> but I wanted a little bit of that sweetness, but I didn't want to overpower the the rise and the and the corns I was getting from the Midwest. So thus began the search for a really good wheat to add to the to the palate. Um, life happened. Uh, I married a, a beautiful girl named Maria who was from Missoula, Montana, and she wanted to get back to the mountains. So we decided to hop up there, and, and uh, I was checking all the wheat in the land between Illinois and Montana. Uh, luckily, we found a, a really great family, uh, the Droge family farms outside uh, Bozeman and Manhattan, uh, Montana. <clears throat> and they, they grow a fantastic red, red wheat up there. And so we kind of partnered with them uh, on, on putting this together, which has been uh, a really great surprise to actually find a great nice farmer family to get but to get in touch with what i think is again fun part of the story is how how we met them or right. how you met them yeah because i was driving crazy saying i need a i need a bottle to sample yeah. you know we need to sample this whiskey and you need to to put some wheat in it and he, he grabbed a bottle of their pure wheat whiskey and just hand blended it with his other whiskey <laughs> and and the, the guy jeff goes uh what are you doing <laughs> Don't take my whiskey, bro. And and he, we started to negotiate to buy bulk whiskey from him, mm. the, just the wheat. Mm-hmm. And he and he said, "Well, what are you doing?" And he found out the story, and then he just goes, well, "Why don't I do that for you?" Yeah. And and Jeff is what's interesting to me. Jeff's third generation uh, farming family there. Yeah. And they've created their own distillery as a as an adjunct to the farm. Mm. You know that generation, and Luke was third generation Eclipse our business. And they're both about the same age, and it's it's like, you know, two best friends just found the, themselves. That's Match made cool. in heaven. Yeah. yeah, and we we went to work pretty quick once we once we came once we finished the the Ghostwood blend, which is turned out fantastic, obviously with that added wheat from his farm, and then the branding and stuff like that. We, I mean, it wasn't too long. Within two weeks, once we got this in the bottles, we were, what's next? Yep. You know, and so we had we they're actually like two kids in a candy store. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, we're just like. What if we did rye? All right, now if we did rye and then added a little bit of the wheat and got some corn, I want the Midwest corn, but we're going to have the Montana barley. And then we're going to blah, 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 and we're talking barrels and all sorts of So it's been a lot of fun. Um, and as a side note to that, look out for our rye coming out in about four years. Oh, cool. <laughs> Perfect. It's in the barrels. It's fantastic cool. off the still. So Perfect. looking forward to that. So one of the first things I noticed when I first heard about Ghostwood um, was obviously on Facebook, you mentioned the restaurants that you were uh, yeah. kind of taking the product to in Illinois. But the first thing I noticed was the tree. Um, mm-hmm. I play a lot of golf. Any course I go to, <laughs> the number one thing you look for, though, is a cool logo. If you're going to buy right. a shirt or buy a hat or, in this case, buy a bottle of whiskey, yeah. the logo is going to catch your eye. So talk a little bit about the tree and the name Ghostwood. Like, yeah. How did you come up with this? cool tree that in my opinion looks really cool on a shirt a hat a bottle anything well honestly it's just um so (laughs) it's a lot of different things 
Uh, obviously, the, the main thing though is when I was when I was developing this in, out, out of the, the back of that barn um, in Illinois, we're surrounded. We're, we have the privilege of, of being in an awesome spot in northern Illinois, surrounded by oak trees. Um, and it's gorgeous. There are so many. We were thinking of harvesting some of them to actually make the barrels. Yeah, some of the Because you got to have you got to have American white oak, and we have a bunch of that on, yeah. on the ranch up there. No one would take it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but no, there's a, there's a fantastic, uh, right outside the barn actually, uh, and it's kind of a game, so I might be leading, leading people off the trail a little bit, but uh, on the ranch is kind of a game that, which one's the ghost tree that inspired the logo and stuff like that. The one that, to me though that is based off of is actually a really old oak tree. I think it's over 300 years old, right outside the barn. Um, yeah, and, it, and, it, and I've always been drawn to something, the tree represents a lot of things then. Obviously you take that. Looks cool, yeah, but what's it mean? It's white oak, obviously. So it's 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 part of the production process of whiskey. It's 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 got legacy. The roots go deep. Uh, I love the symbol and the and the and the stuff when it comes to that. Uh, the family tree, obviously. What I'm looking to do here is create a family brand. I'm not looking to sell. I'm not looking to get really popular in five years. I'm I'm looking to make this a multi generational family business. Um, and then also. I'm a really big fan of spooky stuff, quite honestly. I just like uh, the, the embrace the unknown of the brand. It, it, it's all about when I was growing up camping in, on the farm there in those trees. You know, you got your campfire in front of you. You're surrounded by these big oak trees for one, so they're like sentinels anyway watching over you. The, the campfire light is lighting them up on one side, right? And you, your eyes are trying to adjust to the darkness, but you can't see beyond the lit up side of that tree it's dark you know and you're out there by yourself all you see is here is crackle of fire in front of you so i just love the idea of always kind of imagining and this might be my crazy mind but i always love imagining what kind of world is out there in that darkness you know what i mean and then thinking about well if i went out there what would i find even though i know the woods pretty well i'm a pretty imaginative guy <laughs> sometimes i imagine i'm in the old west you know and seeing what would i mean what would it feel like if you didn't know what was out there back then so that's kind of the spirit behind the brand a little bit is trying is is kind of celebrating that that spirit to kind of go out there and and see what you can find a little bit you know while we're on the topic of the bottle um most bottles that you see whiskey bottles especially they're clear so you can yeah. see the whiskey <laughs> yeah. um but this one is is different it, mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to your ghost wood and your theory behind what's behind the exact bottle but why did you come up with that well um, the, the easy story is that it, it really is, it's, it's, it's taken that idea to, to, through the entire production of the bottle. Obviously it's dark. You can't see what's in it. You have to go explore it. Um, I actually started the bottle process. I was looking actually at, you can't believe how many people told him he was crazy. Yeah. No, they did not right? want to do this. It, well, it's not, it's for not, a new whiskey. You yeah. Gotta see the color. Absolutely. Right? It's no whiskey bottle that I've really ever seen. You can always see the color. Yeah. I mean, right. They're always clear. So he's been challenging convention all along on this. Yeah. You know, whether it's his four grain mash, everything about this is challenging, the, uh, which is cool. And yeah, it's working out. And I'm holding firm on it. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, when I first got started and when I was thinking about bottle design, like it goes back to that kind of Irish, the Scotch whiskeys and stuff like that. And those old, those old uh, porcelain bottles, corks, tops. And that's, I kind of started with there. Um, and trying to find a way to kind of present it that way. And even with those, you don't see the whiskey in them. 
you know, and everyone, of course, everyone's like, oh, you got to see, you got to be able to see it. Even bartenders are giving us the note that, like, how do I know when it's empty <laughs> so I can replenish it? Can't like, get any out of it. Yeah, I guess buy another case. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> you have to have more on yeah, standby. Yeah. Just have to turn it upside down and see. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Keep pouring, baby. Yeah. But it's a happy accident because I was looking for something that looked like that kind of old school porcelain bottle anyway. And I'm like, well, let's, let's, if we, if we, if we absolutely have to do glass, if it makes sense for production, obviously, but um, let's paint it and let's kind of replicate that feel anyway. And like I said, going with the black, I think is sharp. And it's, and again, when you're looking at that logo, it's supposed to give you that feel of that campfire. It's supposed to mm -hmm. give you that, you know, the darkness beyond that. So. Yeah. I tried to talk him out of it many times because it, it was a pain <laughs> in the ass to get. Yeah. Right? And, and to get right. Yeah. I mean, it, it took us a year to just get the bottle right. Yeah. yeah. You've uh, mentioned taste and, and the different wheat, rye. Uh, your four grain blend. Mm -hmm. How would you explain the taste? To... That's not much. It's well. like a sound in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. the cork. Great sound. Yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> it's I have to do that again. A little ASMR. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You've you mentioned the taste. What? How would you explain the taste as opposed to other whiskeys that um, people yeah. may know of? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, for me, what I love about the taste so i'll start with me um again i kind of come from an art background and there's what i love about the art of the whiskey is that it really is an individual experience for everyone mm -hmm. um so i'll start with how i intended it but i i i really do want people to try it because i think everyone's going to come away with something that they like or not like about it and i want them to have that experience for themselves at the end of the day but for me what i like about it is you know we can get into the nuts and bolts it's got um, over 50% corn for the sweetness. It's traditional. But what I made sure to do is actually up the rye in terms of that. So what you're getting in, in Ghostwood is a, is a spicy bourbon right from the start, right? Uh, rye is a very spicy, sweet grain. At the end of the day, what you with rye, and that's, I, I just love rye, so I had to up it. Um, you get a nice spice um, carrot cake is a good way to describe it. Um, with the Then when you add the little bit of wheat that we added to the mash bill, the red wheat in particular, you get kind of a nice toffee on top of it. So really at the end of the day, what I like about it is you get a nice spicy, butterscotchy, even over the tongue flavor that actually with the wheat and then with a little bit of that nice malted barley finishes on the back of the tongue. There's so many whiskeys I tried on my exploration where they get about halfway across your tongue, just from a tasting standpoint. And some people don't care about this stuff, but I do. <laughs> but they get halfway across your tongue, and they just give up. They're just like, I'm out of here. You know? and, it, and I've had that from $120 bottle whiskeys. I've had that from you know, $30 bottle whiskeys. And, and there's good whiskeys all the way around the world. But what I wanted with mine is to have a complete experience in, your, in, in terms of mouthfeel. Um, um, so having that spicy, toffee, um, full-bodied experience that... You know, and I kind of jokingly say it kisses you goodnight on the way out. You know, if you, if you pay attention to it, you know, it's very smooth, obviously, at the end of the day. What I, it's an over four-year-old bourbon blended whiskey that, that is aged to maturity, and it's smooth, man. And it's coming from my love of scotch, too. So it's, it's not going to hit you hard. It's at 90%, and it's still not going to hit you hard. Um... So it's a great whiskey to try if you've never tried whiskey before or you've never liked whiskey before or anything. It's, it's a great gateway whiskey to the world of whiskey, which I love. 
And then you can go off and explore all the craziness that's out there. Man, I've seen things on the shelves right now. It's a wild, wild west. You got 120 proof freaking bottles on the shelf. Sometimes you pick those up and you're like, you take a sip and you didn't even see the bit. Drinking lighter fluid. Right. It's like, whoa, whoa. What what I like, um, so I've been taking around and doing a lot of tastings with, like I say, restaurant chefs. Um, So some with very sophisticated palates and, and others with, you know, first time experiences. And what's been really thrilling, first of all, amazing to me, is there hasn't been an individual that hasn't liked it. Um, and they all love, and I call it, because I don't like a whiskey that hits you in the face up front. You know, I call it breathy, and it's kind of like, you know, if you take your take a mouthful of air too quick, it chokes you in the back. Ethanol. Yeah, this, <laughs> this comes across your tongue and, and has a greeting. Um, but what I've found is the sophisticated people love the smoothness of it, but love the 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 finish is pretty exotic. I mean, it's high end finish, and so so the sophisticated uh, drinker of whiskeys appreciates the back end, and the less um, uh, experienced experienced yeah, thank yeah. you, uh, really enjoy the front end, and and so everybody's got a place in this whiskey that they uh, they enjoy and. I mean, it's been phenomenal reaction to it. I mean, just like over the top. So it's, we don't sell it. We just let people try it. Yeah, just try it. And and then Luke's really uh, helped me because even with his art, I remember his, his uh, my my brother, who can be a bit of a challenger. <laughs> Luke had a big piece of art he'd created in school, in, in art school. And it was gorgeous. It was one of my favorite. And it was, my brother looks at it and goes, so what is this? It was an abstract piece. It was an abstract piece. (laughs) And he said it kind of like, you know, what the hell is this? Tell me. What what were you painting here, dude? And and Luke stood back and said, what do you see? And that was such a cool... And then my brother changed instantly and went, oh, well, here's what I see. And it turned my brother around. And I think the whiskey does the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't like when I taste it. I don't tell people what it's like. I said, just try it. Yeah. You tell me what you experience. And I think that's what we really want everybody to do. Mm-hmm. And some people aren't going to like it, and that's great, you yeah. know. Um, but I've been amazed at how strongly it's been reacted to in a positive yeah. way. Absolutely. So I had a question about the process. How long does it take from when you start to getting it in the, in the bottle right now? Uh, it's about four and a half, five years. Um, obviously, getting the high right bourbon in the barrels, um, getting them aged up to about four years old, getting them over to Montana to add the, the red wheat whiskey coming out of there, uh, blending them there then, and then into bottles. Yeah, it's, it's about five years thereabouts. I'm trying to actually get it out sooner because sometimes, uh, again, I'm kind of going up against the grain a little bit here. Um, I actually think there's such a thing as too much aging. You know, I mean, there's I know there's Pipey Van Winkle and some really awesome whiskeys, and I'm not trying to say anything about that, but I were I made this whiskey. This is a very personal statement for me. Like I said, kind of like an artist would say, you know, this is my art. You can like it or not. But where I kind of sit on my my taste is like a nice four to five year age, and like a number three char oak barrel, popping some good um, back end finish to the taste. A little bit of um, I don't know, a little bit of nice toffee finish through the wood, you know. 
but yeah, it's it's about that, uh, and it's and it's fun. It really is fun to set that up, and that and that's what's hard when you're setting a business like this. Is is you can't. This is what I learned from setting all this stuff up. Is you can't say, well, I've got you know two hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to buy some massive distilling production equipment, and I'm going to come up with this really great whiskey, and I'm going to sit on it for five years and not make any revenue. <laughs> and there's. So you, you, you really are, it's chicken or the egg in this business. And it's kind of fun to try to figure out how best to do it because there's a lot of really great distilleries out there, but they, they do it that way. And, and the first thing you see from them sometimes is a, is a great vodka. It's a great gin, but you get it off the still, it's white, you know. And then they come out with their whiskey later on. And I'm not saying that's a bad way to go either. But what I wanted to do with Ghostwood in particular is to start off with the product. Start off with the defining product of this uh, brand. You, you never compromise. I mean, no. it was always about we're not going to sell it too soon. Right. We're going to be patient. Um, I mean, I was, you know, he had a, a limited amount of money to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put it into the whiskey and barreled it, you know, and it's tick-tock, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then refine the rest of it and work on these things. So, so you know, it's... It's unusual for a new whiskey to come out with this kind of sophistication because usually they've got to sell something sooner just to fund getting to the later. Yeah, it's a business. And, um, you know, Luke's still got another job, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, he's, raised, job. he's raising a family, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, he pitches me into the middle when he needs help, but that's kind of uh, how it's gone. So to have a, such a mature whiskey as your first iteration your is, is really rare and it shocked everybody even the even the judges at the adi adi american yeah. distillers institute you know they're going like i can't believe this is the first generation bourbon yeah so they gave us high praise there so obviously growing up on a ranch you're no stranger to hard work what, what has been the toughest kind of challenge that you've faced starting up a, a whiskey company and just all the moving parts with this whole process <sighs> man yeah you know i was smart at least and i i went around the country uh asking a bunch of people questions um but even with that what you're dealing with is is we're we're best to like i said we're best to invest your money um because i we i had a bunch of false starts um i of course started looking for equipment i started looking for a production spot i started all that stuff and um, at a certain point, you kind of look at it, you look at the money you have left <laughs> after exploring some of that, and you're like, oh boy. Um, so you just have to, you just got to keep moving and shaking, being creative, staying with it, um, holding to the vision. I mean, starting with a vision is, is key. You have to just uh, start with a vision you think would work best um, and just hold to it. And, and, and there have been many times where my wife is like, well, okay, I think this is about the universe is telling you to stop. Just probably stop. <laughs> probably, probably not do that anymore, Luke. Ah. Was there uh, was there ever a time where that like actually crept into your head a little bit too? Sure, it happens more than a few times. The <laughs> biggest one was probably about two years ago. Now, um, I was sitting on rented space. Um, the landlord was was gave me kind of sold me a bill of goods. I had the state hounding me. I was outside the law for half a beat. We had lawyers involved. I had equipment that was there that wasn't working, and it was a disaster. Um, and finally, I had to like take a step out of the battle. Honestly, you get lost in that 
that kind of drive. Um, and I and I took a step out and I talked to Dad, honestly. Um, and I talked to a couple other people, but I said, we need to shake this up. This isn't working. Um, so we basically just put a pause on it, reformatted the entire business plan, um, and started fresh. And it started with actually going back to the Midwest, yeah. out of Montana, and we a took a three, road trip. Three-day road trip. Yeah, three-day road trip to all these distilleries in, in the Midwest. Listen to Joe Rogan. Listen to Joe Rogan podcast. Not a bad podcast. <laughs> Getting educated. Yeah, so we just hopped around and and we and we basically just us in a car talking. Mm-hmm. What was cool is Luke drove. Yeah, and it's probably I, good for me. Yeah, and uh, distracted. We had five hours between each stop, and we were visiting distilleries and and, and other producers. And um, so while he's going, I'm just asking questions. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you really want to try to achieve? And I just started making notes. And so by the end of the trip, I just recast all those notes back to him. So, well, here's what you said. And then that yeah. helped refocus everything and kick it back over. Just kind of wipe the floor clean and then my, started with it. My answer plan. to that question is different. Mine's more pragmatic. The, the, the whole idea of selling and distributing spirits in the United States is so fraught with uh, bureaucratic and legal mm-hmm. Mumbo jumbo, and every state, every county is different. Texas, and especially. Texas, yeah. well, yeah, but everybody's got you yeah. know the the prohibition days. Absolutely. And what came out of that? It's just, and it, and so you're always like, you're all ready to go, and you're waiting for for some bureaucrat to sign something, and if right now we're waiting for the Fourth of July holiday to get over for the Texas bureaucrats, you know, and so it's just <laughs> like, and and. You know, you just want to go in there with a whack-a-mole thing and start. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Stamp Hurry it. Up. Stamp it. So that one's. So what has been you two's favorite parts or favorite moments throughout this whole process? <sighs> you know, it's been the best for me. Well, okay. I guess I can go back to your classic answer of, you know, when it was born. It was a magical time. <laughs> <laughs> um that was a, that. That's probably up there. It's one of it's it's a tie right now. It's creating it in the first place out of that barn. Um, obviously, the five years obviously is that the sweat and the grind and just sticking stick to itiveness of it um, is worth it. But you know what what's crescendoed now is actually getting it out to the market and seeing the reaction. For me, has been uh, overwhelming because we I, and I guess I'd like to say it's I'm lucky. I I sometimes I look back on a lot of this stuff so far. And as we've launched and as we've kind of introduced it out there, it's just been serendipitous. That's the best way I can describe it. If I had to put a theme yeah. on this stuff, it's serendipity. But you know? but uh, it's it's a series of doors that open and close. Yeah. I mean, you started with a really strong business plan, right? And then as soon as you start down that line, a door closes. Right. And you could stop <laughs> and freak out, or you can look for the next door. And it's a little bit like going through a, you know, a fun house. Mm. Um, but if you have that vision, you know you're going to get, you know, I want to get to the House of Mirrors. <laughs> you look for the next door. And those, what's opened up has been fantastic. It's just like meeting Jeff Drogue. I mean, and it was by happenstance. It's yeah. like, it wasn't, um, our three-day road trip, we were on a different mission. Yeah. And we came out of there with a whole different approach to the business, you know. Um, so any entrepreneur faces this whole process. And it's a messy process. And you got to be ready for the mess and and. and and kind of enjoy, embrace it, right? And embrace the unknown. Embrace and it. And say, just, I'm not gonna, you're not going to beat me. I'm mm-hmm. going to find a way. 
and that's that's what he's done. They met some great people along the way that are like I said, it's just they've turned into this family. You know, that's mm -hmm. they won't let him fail. They're all just gonna push him over the edge and Yeah, and it's scary. Because <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> you, you build up the expectation, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh but no, yeah, meeting meeting everyone along the way, the the Corys, the Cadens, the Cody's. It's not C's in case. Yeah. <laughs> but you know for me so if you can imagine, you know, we used to own a, uh, a manufacturing company, and Luke used to not directly work for me, but work for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know and if you want to explain what that means. Yeah. <laughs> that could be ours. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but now the roles are reversed, and I work for him. And, mm. and, and our relationship through this has been, you know, uh, it started out, I was a little bit of a mentor, and I suppose I still am, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but now I'm helping him execute and he's telling me you need to do this, go do that and do this and, uh, changing our relationship over. And then it's not like it's always been smooth and happy dancing. Um, but we fought through that too. And, and it's, I, I think our relationship is pretty enriched that, that way. It's been fun yeah. that way. Yeah. No, it, I think it's been great because there's, there's, you know, you get to a point, especially when you're talking about a father son relationship, right? I, you get to a point as a son, at least, where you can actually find a way to arguing with your dad. That doesn't end with punches, right? Yep. Uh, we went through that, yep. and we came out. And I think, you know, I still love the fact that I can have those moments with you. The and punching course, ones? The, no, the, the, no, no, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay. No. Good. <laughs> no, I'm tired of those. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, I think, but, you know, finding a way to have a, that relationship with your dad from my point of view, where you can have the argument and you can you can break it down and still come out of it, you know, in a family. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good point because obviously Cody and his dad train horses together all exactly. the time. And yeah. so you know the um, point. I'm sure there's times when they don't see eye to eye and it's yeah. uh, really cool to see that similar relationship. But you don't always want to have everything the same. You Absolutely. That, you need the yin and the yang, yep. right? Yep. You need a little you, pushback. That, that's where you find the magic. Yeah. It's just Absolutely. managing that stress appropriately. When yeah. one of the cool things... I've found about just the whole slogan and embrace the unknown. And obviously Cody, you and Locke have been in the Perks family has been involved with cutting for a long time. And what do we do every year? We go to the futurity and every, nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, you right. put your well, hand down. Yeah. You better put your hand down and embrace please the turn. unknown. So <laughs> yeah, please turn. Um, for me, I think it's cool to relate the whole slogan and the whole backstory. It fits perfectly with our, whole cutting vibe so to sure. speak i mean when you go to any show you really don't know if your horse is going to be good if you're going to be good or gonna really what's going to happen good bunch or of the cows, cows. Right, yeah right exactly or so the dirt and yeah. that's what <laughs> that's why we love cutting though is um all the unknown factors that could play a part in you doing well or you're right. doing poorly no that's a great way of putting it yeah no and growing up with cutting has been a blessing too obviously through this process and and obviously my dad's taking it to a whole new level obviously but I'm chasing a lot of other folks that are a lot well, better than me, like Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to stay with Cody. <laughs> well, just one of the best advocates for cutting is your dad, is kind of how I would describe him. Is I didn't really know him that well until here recently, whenever I kind of got more serious about cutting and got more involved, and you kind of got to know my dad. Yeah. Um, I'd see you in Vegas and just see your presence with not only the NCHA, but when you go out to the Pacific Coast, you were everybody loved you out there, and for me, I just was like, if he's got friends into every, everywhere we went, mm. people were cheering for Locke, people were talking to Locke. So it's been cool how not only cutting, but 
everyone's love for whether it's whiskey or um, sports is kind of how Cody and I became friends. A lot more things bring you together yeah. um, than you think. No. So my, we need that these days. My, my aunt was out, would come out to Vegas. Um, my, she's the youngest of my parents' generation, and she's like 92. And, and um, she'd walk all the way down to the edge. She'd drive up from California. That's where she lives. And uh, she, she went down in kind of the cocktail section, you know, there in Vegas. And at the end of the day, and she'd sit there all day because she can't go up and down the stairs a lot. And people were great. All the cutters would bring her stuff and everything. And she, I, they taught her how to cheer and stuff. At the end of the day, we'd have dinner. And she goes, okay, so I talked to all these people. And she knew everybody <laughs> who's anybody yeah. in cutting. Right. And, she, and she'd go, they say you're an okay guy. <laughs> it's like she's checking up on me the whole time, you know. <laughs> That's the kind of pressure I'm under. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to see if anyone's going to say anything bad about yeah. you in Vegas. Just, they say he's okay. So what is, you mentioned that I believe you're coming out with a different blend of, of Ghostwood whiskey. Um, what is the long-term goal for, for this? You said generations. Are you going to add lines or different mixtures or recipes? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's a lot of big plans. Um, and we're just getting started. Uh, what's great, like I, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, Jeff and I worked on a really great rye. It's, it's also going to be a four grain, but it's another very specific Ghostwood version of a rye whiskey. So um, look forward to that. I think uh, typically when you find rye on the shelf, there's some good ryes out there for sure, but we wanted to play with it. We wanted to bring way more elements to it and make it a little bit more approachable. Um, so look forward to that. And then uh, at the end of the day, what we're looking to create is, is really to expand, uh, like I said, the family business and the legacy. We want to build um, more of a long-term presence infrastructure in Montana, bring in um, kind of the Midwest element that I kind of grew up Are with. Are you going to do Montana. a scotch? You've always talked about doing a scotch. Yeah, I know. I, uh, yes, we're going to do a scotch as well. Um, what's, what's interesting about Montana, here's what I love about Montana too, other than the mountains and the... The, the get lost in Montana and, and the adventure of Montana. What I love about Montana is that it's really any barley you have and any liquid going on in this country is coming from Montana or Canada. Um, maybe a little bit, and I don't want to throw some shade at South Dakota. They've got a little bit there too, but Montana's where much of that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a legacy of Montana, you wonder where's the scotch? <laughs> We're on the same line. Mm-hmm. You draw a line across the world, and you're not that far from Scotland. Um, latitude-wise. Latitude-wise. So it's just like, why isn't it happening in America? Like, I guess we're all distracted by bourbon. But, but I want to try scotch. Um, and so we're going to work on that. And the cool thing about scotch, a lot of the scotch, it, it, scotch was made with sherry barrels. And, and they'd age the mm. scotch in sherry barrels. Or bourbon. Well, they couldn't get enough sherry barrels, right. so they started using bourbon barrels. Well, so now... You can take the Ghostwood bourbon barrel yep. and create a and scotch with scotch. Yeah, yeah, so you can reuse the barrel. You know, and we can. And what's fun for me, too, in that creation process is like, okay, well, what do people like about scotch? Well, some like the peaty. I don't know, this is getting deep and dirty now. But some like the peaty highland, some, some or excuse it's me, kind the, of the lowland. IP, the, kind of the IPA yeah, scotch. The non-peaty, the, all this other stuff. Japan's come out with a fantastic scotch. I don't know how, but they're fantastic. Um, I mean, a lot of hard work. Again, not trying to denigrate that at all, but 
but I think America can come up with something really cool. And so when you start thinking about what you can do with the grains too, it's like that that mis- that peatiness is built into the drying process on the grains. Well, what can America put in that process? You know, mm-hmm. asking those questions. Yeah. What if it's mesquite? Yep. <laughs> right. You know. Well, you what if it's you never what know. if it's something? Yeah. I mean, what if it's like well, you know all this other great cedar? You know. Embrace the unknown. Right. Exactly. So we're just we're working on that now, and we're just kind of having fun playing, to be honest. But I'm looking forward to that. And then it's the slow age process on Scotch, man. How long does it take for a bottle of Scotch, <sighs> on average? In Scotland, yeah, that's another thing I love about the whiskey business is you get to play with the aging process. But because um, because Scotch uses used barrels, they're not getting a ton of that charcoal taste in that first hit because they've they've been washed through another liquid. So it's a very mild introduction into the barrel process so and then scott scotland itself is a very wet and cold place uh and what what gives uh any brown liquid its color is that movement through the charcoal of the barrel into the actual tannins of the barrel itself and then back through and what activates that process is the is the expansion and contraction we're really geeking out of the now. temperature yeah yeah i'm no, learning stop a me. lot about yeah. yeah stop me if i get supported for a long time <laughs> But I love this stuff. So anyway, so you get that expansion and contraction. In Scotland, because it's so cold and wet, mm-hmm. not a lot of expansion and contraction. I mean, it takes years to get that. And, and you, I, I think you taste it. That smoothness, again, mm-hmm. you know, just like Ghostwood. That's why, you know, where it's aged. It's so you cold. really don't find a scotch the last eight years. Yeah, because it takes right? that long to put the color in, you know. But from Scotland, anyway. Right. So in Montana, we have a similar situation. It's dry, which is a whole different problem. But it's cold, right? So we're going to put this underground. Are we looking at that? Are we going to put it in metal buildings that look like airplane hangers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun thought there, and I'm I'm looking forward to exploring it. I think the but it's gonna for good scotch in Scotland. It takes about eight years or so, and and bourbon in America is aged at the very least two years. The good ones are aged four, um, and then obviously you get the anomalies outside of that. But the but Scotch in Montana, it'd be fun to track. I would love to do one at least eight. We gotta try some in the barrel. I know. Get some in the barrel. And then a TikTok. Th- yeah. How many? <laughs> how many barrels do you start with, and just yeah. hope? <laughs> After ten years, it's like burying a time capsule. <laughs> so you need a little cash flow. Yeah. Right. Before you start that one. So will you stick with the the whole embrace the unknown bottle on those new different lines of whiskey as well? Yeah, for me, the Embrace the Unknown is always going to be the Ghostwood. So uh, the the next one's going to be Ghostwood Rye. Um, it's still going to have You're this. You're going to use that bottle design we had? Yeah. We're going to use the so same. That's a more traditional bottle design. Yeah. So it's a clear. Clear bottle. Clear bottle. Cool. Yeah. Um, but it's going to have a, a, a nice uh, white oak wood top on it and have that brand in black stamped on that's the top neat. it's gonna be really pretty that's gonna be really flashy yeah um and then after that it's it's kind of having fun with although there you, don't be surprised if you see that bottle fully painted in like yeah. wood camo because <laughs> <laughs> i got a lot of hunter friends that would love that and i would i think it'd be look really sharp would do, so. do well in texas that's yeah for sure. <laughs> really the it's fun what's fun is the core group of people that this was designed for and appreciate are really do tie into embrace the unknown um, up in Illinois, where we first launched, it's uh, the sporting and hunting club people mm-hmm. have just gone bonkers. We got a, a text this morning from one of our fans up there just out of the blue 
he's holding a big old fish that they pulled out of a quarry. <laughs> he's up to his waist, you know, and he's got a ghostwood bottle sitting American around flags with American shorts. flag shorts. On. <laughs> I mean, exactly what you want. Right. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's the guy. Yeah, that's that's our audience. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. That's yeah. who we're marketing toward right now. <laughs> and it's like when we were talking, you know, or you weren't here, but uh, we did a little prequel, and uh, Luke and I make jokes about stuff, and we ski a lot at Big Sky together, mm-hmm. and we, we ski the avalanche shoots up there sometimes. And, um, it's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, but it's, it's when you first look down that chute, it's like, what, what am I doing? Up here? What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, it, and we go, it's all about the first turn, get the first turn yeah. after that. It's okay. So it's, it's, what about the second one though? You gotta, it'll come. <laughs> well, you don't start thinking ahead yeah. like that. <laughs> That's like trying to think That's, of your second cow before yeah. you cut it. Right? Yeah. That's why I'm not a good skier. <laughs> Yeah. This is a lot of turns, and I'm not going to hit a single <laughs> one. <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's it's people like that, and and uh, in cutting is the same way. Like you said, we've got so many variables. You've got to just learn to know that you don't know everything, and and you're going to react. And the person who reacts to it the best in that situation is going to probably win the day. Mm-hmm. But but even when you don't get that reaction, you go, okay, I filed that one away for next time. Right. And you, it's it, it, life is not about knowing exactly what to do every time. It's about how you adapt, how you go after things, uh, not letting those closed doors stop you. It's you about know, so it's braving the unknown situation you're about to head into. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. When we did have our little prequel when we came over here uh, a couple of weeks ago, you said something about fear, and it's it, I can't remember how you said it. It was fear. Uh, how did you say it? Fear. Fear, fear is a great emotion for you to have, because fear is telling you that you need to be smart and wary, mm. okay? But it doesn't it shouldn't be telling you to stop, all right? Um, so embrace the fear, and be smart. Then say I'm going to be extra, maybe a little more cautious, or I'm going to investigate this a little bit more, but I'm not going to let it stop me. Right. And for me, um, I love skiing. I'm afraid of heights. The chairlift He's ride up. Heights. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? I mean, pretty much every chairlift at Big Sky has my finger grips in the... In, in the metal. In the metal. <laughs> but I'm not going to let that stop me from coming down. Because I love the coming down. So. Well, and that's, that's why Ghostwood... I mean, it, again, I come from the Midwest. Um, Halloween's a big, big deal up there. And I, and I hazard to guess, to, or I hazard to like associate Ghostwood necessarily to Halloween. But the... There's an element of really cool um, horror to the feel of the brand. And I, I wanted that to shine through. And the reason that is, is because it is embracing that on itself. It is a scary, it's taking on that, that character to it, you know, and then saying, look, I'm doing it. <laughs> Essentially. Well, like you said, you're, I mean, you're starting this for generations. So you're the first generation. You're right. the one that is embracing the unknown. Exactly. This whole process. Right. So it's it, it speaks through the and I you know it's taken a long time to develop the label it's taken a long time to develop the character of the brand um, I love it um, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more with it coming up here pretty soon and like I said we just went to market two months ago so it has hit the shelves it's up it's hit the shelves in select places uh-huh. at the moment you know so for our friends that live in the DFW Metroplex or Weatherford area is yeah. there a place that um, whether it's now or in the new, near future, that they'll be able to pick up a bottle of Ghostwood? Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, so we're waiting for the Texas Alcohol Board to give us a final stamp. 
So mm -hmm. there's 60 cases just north of the Red River. Yeah, just hanging out, waiting. <laughs> just hanging out, waiting. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dana and Keith over at Shrix are going to be the first Shrix one. in yep. Hudson Oaks right yep. on Fort Worth yep. Highway. They're going to be the first ones to have it. She's already given us the order. Cool. Um, and uh, and I expect that, you know, within the next couple of weeks. Awesome. So she'll have, you know, bourbon, ghostwood bourbon there. And um, uh, the Fire Oak and Zanos are they're gonna they're gonna pull right away from that yeah, um, they've, they've got some really great ideas that we want to do together. yeah both of those uh fire oak grill and xenos on the square there right by the courthouse in weatherford that's right yeah for those not located right in the vicinity, in the immediate area yeah yeah <laughs> is there a place online that they can maybe order a bottle or a couple bottles cases yeah, we got to bootleg it got to get friends at the moment um, yeah you got to know the people but West Texas uh, is going to be really well covered. Mm -hmm. um, Ranger uh, Beverage is our distributor out of Lubbock, actually. Mm -hmm. And they've already got all the stores out there. As soon as uh, um, Shrick starts moving, uh, then the other retailers around the Dallas-Fort Worth area will start picking up. But uh, what we found is uh, being able to use Dana as a reference allows us a lot more entree into the other ones. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, we just kind of... And she's... She and her husband have been such great supporters, like I said. Um, they helped us find our relationships in Texas. They helped, they've just been a part of the team. Mm -hmm. So um, we want to respect our partners that way. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, we hope to have an online capability probably about the end of August. Yeah. Um, and we're working on um, other states' distribution. We have fans. What's, uh, we get pictures from Florida. Uh, the last one was a guy on his Harley. He had it on the, it was a really cool picture. I mean, yeah. he had a bottle of it on the fender of his Harley down in Florida at some rally, you know? So it's, and it was a colorful Harley. And that it was black cool. bottle still, I yeah. that black bottle. And, and, uh, <laughs> it yeah. works on every picture. Um, there's, there's some people in, I mean, we keep getting these pictures and stuff. Um, and uh, so it's in Vegas. I've gotten some, you know. People have it. So, so, and it's part of the fun. Again, yeah, embracing yeah. the unknown, they're, they're getting friends and mm -hmm. chipping it. But you never know where it's going to show up. That's yeah. right. And you know, and and if there's a, a government official listening, uh, don't turn your radio down. But you know that CP trailers traveling around the country to cut us. We're embracing <laughs> the old unknown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can throw some in the nose of the trailer is what he's saying. <laughs> Oh, we generally, we actually keep it in the cab of the truck to keep the temperature controlled. All for personal use. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. All for personal yeah. use. Oh, you haven't lived until you've seen sense underneath my trailer in a rainstorm sipping this whiskey. Yeah. He, he, I hope we do that with you guys, too. Absolutely. Some great stories came Absolutely. out of that. You know? What do you guys think? I mean, what, what, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, what do you think? I love it. Yeah? I love it. Why do you love it? Because it, like you said, it... it I'm not much. I don't know how to explain whiskey, but it doesn't. That's fine. Just it, explain what you feel. It doesn't hit you as hard. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. But like, I don't know what that means in your rye, wheat no, levels, yeah. aging, anything like that. But I, I mean, like you said, it's a ninety-proof whiskey, and it it doesn't taste like a ninety-proof whiskey. Yeah. There's yeah. not. It's to me, it's like a perfect combination of sweet and the whiskey that the. I guess strength or whatever you want to call it that whiskey does hit you with right right for me i think it's just super drinkable and that's what i look for i don't like cody said i don't know much about liquor in general but to me it just tastes good and it's, yeah. it's easy it's to like. drink straight and for me if if something's easy to drink by itself or neat or over ice or just with water 
then it's obviously going to be good with whatever you mix it with. So, oh man, that's uh, a whole other part of the market. This thing, uh, uh, Cameron down at Fire Oak made some Manhattans with got cherries in it. It's like, yes, sir, this is awesome. <laughs> that was really good. And yeah. that's for me, that's what I look for just because I don't go to a bar and order high end scotch or order tequila on the rocks or just sip on anything. Mm. And I've really enjoyed just sipping on this i think yeah. it's it'd be something um whether it was hot outside or whether it was super cold and you're sitting by a campfire sitting by a by a uh, fireplace i think that it it's something that you could enjoy in both of those places but also like Locke mentioned you could be sitting in the aisles of some stalls in west monroe louisiana in <laughs> exactly. february trying to keep warm with your i mean i think it's a it's a drink and a bourbon that fits in so many different spots and it's just like I said, it's super smooth and it's extremely drinkable. Right. Yeah, no, and awesome. what's, what's great about it too is is I'm getting a lot of really good notes on this. It's summer, it's hot out. We're in mm-hmm. Texas. My God. Um, people are a still drinking warm. it outside. Just a bit warm. But that's the thing. It's Just usually, <laughs> in terms of the market, what's fascinating is is there's 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 so much dedic- um, influenced by the temperature and the season. You know what I mean? Whiskey, brown whiskey, is usually not drink when it's hot out. <laughs> I'm not that way. I go back to my vodka and tonics, mm-hmm. usually around this time of year. This, you can still do it. Mm-hmm. Just add another ice cube. Just add a little ice cube. Yep. You're still good. It's smooth, man. It's smooth. Mm-hmm. And it, it will will not do you wrong <laughs> at the end Absolutely. of the day. Well, boys, this has been extremely fun. Lucas, yeah. thanks yes, so sir. much for coming down to Texas and spending some time with us today. And yeah, absolutely. Also, thanks so much for spending as much time as you have creating this product uh, for all of us to enjoy because it really is good. And it's something that I hope that not only our cutting family and our cutting horse friends will enjoy, but hopefully it's something that tons of people around not only Texas, but around the great USA will be able to enjoy. So Locke, thank you as well. Can't thank you both enough for coming on the section K podcast today. Appreciate the opportunity again. Yeah. It's been great. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Section K Podcast. Big thanks to Lucas and Locke Perks of Ghostwood Whiskey for coming on the show this week. And best of luck to all the amateur competitors and non-pro competitors that are going to be competing at the 2020 Metallic Cat Summer Spectacular. We'll be seeing you all down the road.